Under the Dome Radio for Season 1, Episode 9, The Fourth Hand. Thanks for tuning in to the Under the Dome Radio Podcast. It's the podcast by and for fans about the CBS television show, Under the Dome. This is episode number 16. Oh my gosh, we've been trekking along. And you can check out all the show notes for this week's episode at underthedomeradio.com slash 16. Under the Dome Radio is produced by Media Voiceovers and sponsored by our affiliate links at underthedomeradio.com. And this being our sweet 16th episode of Under the Dome Radio, we will definitely go on the air and talk about all the things we liked and found interesting about the fourth hand. And then we'll go at the tower where we play your voicemails and feedback from the Domehead Facebook, Twitter, Google Plus universe. We'll do that too. And then, of course, we will head into our In the Dome spoilery section where we finally confirm how many days we've actually been trapped in this mysterious bubble or giant contact lens for all those that have been listening since the beginning. We'll find a few more answers, things that may or may not be spoilery. So stay tuned near the end of the podcast. We'll give you a fair warning for that kind of thing. And me, I'm Wayne Henderson. Your plastic pal is fun to be with. A.K.A. the voice acting, podcasting fan of the 13-time world champion Green Bay Packers. And I'm Troy Heinrichs, the bike riding, tech teaching, world traveling that does not have a jingle of his own, but would like to play some barn soccer with a half dirt, half plexiglass ball. (laughs) Just because it'd be fun. A half dirt, half plexiglass. I've got a visual there. Let me tell you. Hey, call us. We want to hear your voice. You can uh, dial up if you use one of those telephone thingies at 904-469-7469 or just go to underthedomeradio.com and use the widget on the right-hand side. It says send us a voicemail or something like that. You can even do that on your smartphone. Record your message, your thoughts and theories. What do you think is happening on Under the Dome? What do you like best? What don't you like? What do you like about the show? What do you want to see? What do you want to hear? Call us. Let us know. I mean, so many great theories this week, Wayne. I could have used a fourth hand to take all the notes I needed in this episode, I tell you. Absolutely. There's a lot going on. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. There's a lot of good stuff coming your way. And we want to let you know that the Under the Dome Radio podcast is not affiliated with CBS, Stephen King, the Under the Dome TV series, Amblin Entertainment, or anything like that. But, you know, we do want to be. Absolutely. I mean, come on. We have the best Domehead fan base on earth. Assuming that the dome is still on Earth, you know, because there's some strange stuff going on. You know, we don't know if this thing's actually gotten teleported or what, because blue glowy things just don't happen in real life. No, but there's theories left, right and center. So let's go ahead and get right to it. Let's go on the air and talk about some of our favorite parts from Under the Dome, the fourth hand. You know, one minute the dome is here, the next minute it's gone. And I want to know who stole my mini dome. Really interesting that they actually gave the explanation for what happened in the episode. I don't know if that's really what happened or if they just didn't want to have to deal with explaining it, especially as they were introducing the new character in this episode. So I, I guess I could buy the you know Joe sleepwalking in the middle of the night to go dig it up out of the woods and bring it to the barn. But at know. the same time, then it starts to it starts strewing a whole bunch of new questions, right? So are they being possessed? Is there body control? Is it, 
invasion of the body snatchers or mind snatchers or something, you know, that's causing them to then control their kind of walking thing uh, to do this night walk as a zombie that Andrew was kind of putting it. I don't know. I think that's a red herring. I don't think that's how it moved at all. I think they're just trying to blame it on him. They were just playing soccer with some guys locally. They're half dirt, half plexiglass ball. Because I, I wouldn't think you should be able to move that thing. It'd be pretty heavy. I mean, there's a lot of dirt that they dug up. I mean, I mean, Joe couldn't have gone out there by himself. If, if he did go out there, he had help. Because to dig that up and lift it up and put it in a wheelbarrow, I mean, that would have taken some mighty lifting weight yeah. bearing I, skills. I think we'll get the true answers a little bit later. And speaking of Joe... The McAllister siblings both want something, but very different. Joe wants himself some El Pollo Loco. That's the crazy chicken for those that don't speak Spanish. And Angie wants to have the bar free and clear to herself. That's asking for quite a bit. I don't think so. I think she has every right to ask for it. If she wants uh, Big Jim, you know, if Big Jim wants her to keep her mouth shut, you know, then Big Jim's got to give her something in return, you know, besides protection because... Barbie could protect her. Anybody could protect her, right? Everybody in this town seems to have a gun. <laughs> For a it's while, like, anyway. But uh, And at the same time, you know, if the Dome never does leave Chester's Mill and they are trapped there till they die, then what the heck? Give the girl a diner. Yeah, you know, they're going to run out of food anyway, so they'll shut down and they can just buy it back at cheap. And although we certainly don't condone illegal drug use here on the show, they spelled it right out for us reverend coggins and big jim rennie and with a little bit of help from some others are peddling this drug called rapture yeah and the crazy guy when he broke into the house made it sound like coggins was actually mixing up his own batch so i wonder if what they were trying to make was rapture the drug that maxine was actually part of the recipe behind the new character and then Coggins was mixing his own street version of Rapture, which actually was the bad stuff. You know, when you buy bad drugs, not that we would know anything about it. We've just heard about it. But if it's probably like that's why it made him go crazy. Right. Because it wasn't mixed quite right. Right. And even though it's kind of a biblical tie in at the same time, now that they're talking about the Rapture drug, I keep just hearing Blondie in my head over and over their uh, reggae ska Rapture song. It's stuck in my head. It's interesting that, you go to this rapture as a biblical reference, you know, because we know that we haven't seen anybody outside of the dome since the missile hit on the one side. So could it be tied in somehow that people that take this drug go somewhere, shift perspective, or uh, maybe it's just a reach, but it, it can't be coincidence that we've used things like Moab, which was a biblical term. Now we're using rapture, which is a biblical term. Yeah, you know, we're talking about monarchs and new life uh, coming out of your cocoon and being a new creation. So there's a lot of Christian religious undertones or biblical undertones in the show so far. Yeah, and we're just getting started. Only up to episode nine of season one, and they're already throwing all that. And now even Angie's having seizures. Is everybody going to have seizures or everybody under 23 going to have seizures? I think I put the over under 21, but I'm not sure. Who's next if someone else is going to have a seizure? My vote is Benny. I don't Benny, want Benny would probably be next. I don't want our pal Benny to have any seizures or talk maybe about Carter. Pink stars. Carter the policeman seems like he'd be in that age bracket. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll have to see. My favorite part, well not my favorite, but one of my favorite parts, we get an Andrea Grinnell sighting. 
Dale Raul making her appearance and had a, quite a few good lines. And I myself am glad that finally people are taking notice of what Andrea Grinnell was saying, that something suspicious has been going on with the propane all along. And Andrea Grinnell, played by Dale Raul, was right again. Yeah, and if you haven't heard that interview, you can check it out at underthedomeradio.com slash Dale. And much like she said in the interview, you know, we definitely saw a little bit more of her house. And it is still full with a lot of stuff. She's (laughs) definitely a hoarder. You know, it's amazing that she was able to get over to the propane shed so quickly because Linda turned around and she was just there. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Like whoa! Like you like almost like she raptured or appeared out of thin air to show up right behind Linda to scare her half to death. Or to have a Seinfeld reference, she's a sidler. Definitely, they need to keep Tic Tacs in her pocket so uh, she'll rattle when she sneaks up on folks. But the kind of surprise for this episode, uh, we kind of teased it on Facebook. It's kind of been out in the news if you've been following the hashtag "Who is Maxine?" and Natalie Zaya drops in on the dome. She's been there for nine days, kind of hiding out in the house, I guess. And boom, she's there. And we find out all kinds of good dirt about her and Big Jim and how they've been working together. And I know, how do you feel about this new addition late in the game? Me? I, I don't like Maxine. I, I don't like the character or the backstory. And I think they made her as bad as they could so that we'll have a little more sympathy or empathy for uh, Big Jim. But... Uh, you know, and, you know, like they've said, Chester's Mill has quite a few residents, and obviously we've only seen a certain number of them. And there's going to be new people that we haven't seen now and then. There's bound to be more, but uh, she made quite an entrance. Yeah, but it's it's plausible, too, that you can introduce new characters like this. I mean, there's a show that both of you, you and I have watched in the past. Um, some of the listeners probably have, think they know which show this is. You know, but they were going for four years and still introducing new characters, even though they were trapped on an island. So I, I don't think this is the last new character we're going to see either, probably before the season's out, let alone, you know, definitely when season two rolls around. And <laughs> I do my minor gripe. OK, they were hammering us over the head, even though they've been leading up to this on almost every single episode. It's like on Fringe. You look for an observer in every episode. On Under the Dome so far, we've always looked to see if we can catch Angie's butterfly tattoo. But this week, they were hammering us over the head hard. And okay, writers, we get it. Angie's got a butterfly tattoo. Just make sure it's known that it was first mentioned here. That's the first place I heard it was from you, Troy Heinrichs. Absolutely. We were the ones that said, hey, did you notice that tattoo? Some butterfly effect, some... uh, what would you call it? Uh, 112263 shout out, I believe was the quote. Um, you know, is there a time travel thing here? We'll have to wait and see. But maybe it's not a time travel thing. Maybe it's just a butterfly. Yeah, I because think it's, it is. It's blue and green. It's not orange. Like a regular monarch butterfly. Regular monarch butterfly. Thanks. Again, another just like straight, you know, no, she's not the monarch. Throw it out there. Just get it off the table. Uh, one of our Facebook dome heads, Mark, was actually like, Oh, Angie's going to be the monarch. And then he's like, dude, Joe just like ruined it for me. (laughs) Anyway, what what do you think Maxine, the uh, rapture drug kingpin is, is up to? She obviously has a plan or two. Yeah. I mean, it was really, I mean, let's jump to the part where she walks in as big Jim and Barbie are kind of talking to each other. Okay. And, and she walks in and, I, I almost 
I literally had a bowl of popcorn as I was watching the, the show this week. I dro- <laughs> I dropped my popcorn all over the floor when she kissed Barbie. I'll, I'll be quite honest. I was just like, "What did that just happen?" And then they kind of like look like they're kind of chummy chummy for a minute, and then of course we get into some of the backstory that they're not so chummy chummy as we thought. They had maybe a little fling here or there, but you know they're not as good of friends as it's made to seem on that initial pass. But yeah, I was just like, Julia is not going to stand for this if she finds out. (laughs) She is not going to be happy. And like we've talked about on past episodes of Under the Dome Radio, everybody in Chester's Mill seems to have secrets, or at least most everybody. And obviously, Maxine seems to know quite a few secrets about Barbie and Big Jim and is threatening to let them out if they don't cooperate. And I'm thinking Barbie needs to just stand up and say, okay, whatever. You've got secrets. You got dirt on me. Just go ahead, let it out. Who cares? We got to do the right thing and move on. So Barbie's collecting gambling debts and knows Maxine. And Maxine is figuring out drug trafficking through Big Jim for their Rapture product. So the question is, is what is Maxine? Is she the mob? Does she have more than one hand in the game? We get a little bit of tease in the preview uh, of what's going to be going on next week. I and mean, what what is she all about? Because she's got her hand in a, quite a few things. Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit about that promo at the end in the In the Know, In the Dome uh, section, since it could be considered spoilery by some. And next thing we know, Big Jim and uh, I guess Maxine was kind of in on this. They want to take away everybody's guns and see if they'll all voluntarily turn them in for the betterment of Chester's Mill. And my first thought was, you can have my gun when you pry it from my cold, dead fingers, Mr. Rennie. Well, that's how Ted Huntley felt about it. And what I thought was really interesting as you watched the gun start coming in, he was talking to the one um, townsfolk person and said, hey, did you see Ted? Has Ted brought his stuff in yet? And he's like, no, 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 Ted's not here. Uh, Ted's still holed up in his house. And Big Jim kind of gets really angry and frustrated about the fact that Ted didn't turn his stuff in. So part of me was thinking, did... Big Jim and Maxine come up with this plan to disarm Ted because Ted was involved somehow or could leak the information about the drug ring and they wanted to disarm Ted because they knew he was basically like a one-stop gun show. Interesting. I hadn't thought about that particular angle. He was really mad that he wasn't there. And then he's like, okay, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go get a gun after I told everybody to put him away yeah and he's going to take the gun and he's going to go hunt him down and get the stuff back and then he's like crap barbie's going to come with me great thanks a lot ruined my fun (laughs) and then i mean i was thinking wow this could really help out the under the dome radio radio station here there's piles and piles of prime propane left and right that was a lot of propane Wow. And, that is not, and that is not the barbecue garden variety at no. all. <laughs> no, you can cook quite a few chickens or power an Under the Dome radio podcast with that propane for a long time. You know, if we could get in touch with uh, Big Jim Rennie or some other folks and see if they could donate some of that to help us out, that would be awesome. I'll trade you a propane tank for a gun. Hmm. Neither the two shall mix. It'd be a bad <laughs> combination, that's for sure. And, and then we kind of had a bit of a variation of this we're all in this together because like father like son maybe yeah that almost the same phrasing i think it was a little different but uh you know and that you know based on some of the other things big jim has said in the past like we all support the team and 
It's all about the team. But it's kind of like Big Jim. Listeners, wouldn't you agree that it looks like Big Jim is mostly about team Big Jim? I mean, I'm going to take all these guns down to the cement works. And next thing you know, they're all in his own personal bomb shelter. Yes, for sure. And then um, that scene was very interesting, though, because Junior you know, takes her, uh, Angie into his mom's studio. And you're kind of like... Okay, so we know that his mom was crazy. We know that his mom killed himself driving the car. Although most people thought Maxine was Junior's mother at first. I thought that was kind of interesting. Really? On hmm. Twitter and Get Glue, they were like, oh, it could be Junior's mother. And then it's like, because she didn't really introduce herself. And Jim's like, what are you doing here? So people started to think it might have been Junior's mother after all, but it's not. Um, but yeah, so she was crazy because some of those paintings... Yeah, I'm not an art major by any means, but I know my eight-year-old can draw a little bit better than that. Yeah, I know that a lot of people, even on some of these home makeover shows, you know, the the designer makes their own artwork, and it basically looks like that. And I know some people love it, but me, I'm like, please, that's that's not good. <laughs> Although I did, I did secretly want a picture of a white tulip in that picture with Junior because it kind of had that same grassy kind of feeling to it from Fringe. The grassy knoll. Yeah. No wait, that's eleven twenty two sixty three. That's a different book. But then so, yeah. there could have also been maybe a, a polar bear or something in the painting as well, because it was kind of crazy schizo painting like they had on Lost. But uh, the uh, but the pink stars were kind of static. Yeah, they so, weren't falling in lines. I was looking for any evidence of that. So Doug on Facebook, I put this question out there uh, the day we recorded this episode. You know, did anybody else notice what I noticed? And Doug noticed it. But as you look around the room, there's actually pink paint kind of dripping in the background in lines. So even though the stars were static on the picture of Junior not actually falling, there was pink lines falling down the wall in the background of that scene. Good catch. Again, we have to watch this episode one more time at least. Keep our eyes peeled for that. That's interesting. Always have to watch it five, six, seven, eight times. Frame by frame, you'll pick something out. Yep. We've heard that before. Let's go ahead and play a quick round of question and answer time with Wayne and Troy. You know, first, a rhetorical question, okay? Did, did you notice that Angie has this butterfly tattoo? Yeah, I did, back in the pilot. Oh, wait, you were being rhetorical. That's right. So, basically, it's unanimous. We all agree. She's, she's got, got a, a butterfly tattoo. And it's of a butterfly. We get it. And it's intentional for the show, like I originally thought. So, yes, you were very, very correct there. And, you know, of course, this whole Maxine character and listeners, we want to hear your thoughts. I'm sure we're going to be talking about Maxine for a couple episodes at least. Call us at 904-469-7469. And, you know, some people just don't like Maxine. I don't like Maxine. But I just wanted to point out there's kind of a difference between loving to hate a character like loving to hate Ben Linus on Lost and actually hating a character like Maxine, kind of like Paulo and Nikki on Lost. Not many people loved to hate them. They just hated them. <laughs> so, But, you know, there's a bunch of people that hate Maxine like this particular dome head. Don't like the new character Maxine. I have listened to the audiobook. It was fantastic. And she was not in it. She ruins the whole thing for all of us here. Thank you. See, and I think the Maxine haters are just book people that are not happy with the change. For me, I'm more of the love to hate Maxine. Really? Yeah, because for me being a book reader, 
I have no idea what's going to happen next. And I am so excitedly interested to have this different aspect to Barbie, this different aspect to Big Jim. And I'm really curious to see how Maxine really messes with their heads because then what is that redemption or return to glory story that's going to come out of Big Jim and Barbie out of Maxine's character? Hmm. So I think she's definitely going to add something to the show and I am all for it. Let her run with the town and let's see what Big Jim does to take her out and then Big Jim and Barbie could team up and we could have a completely different story on our hands. Hmm. And I just can't wait for Maxine to go the way of Ollie Dinsmore. <laughs> Is that terrible? So anyway, I know it's only been one episode that they're going to probably twist it around on us. Just like, again, just a little lost thing where, you know, they were teasing that, you know, eventually you're going to like this Ben Linus character. And we did. They were by right. the end, end of the show, we did. So maybe we'll like Maxine by end of season 10. <laughs> wow. We're going to be podcasting for a while. So this was a really exciting episode, a really good episode, a lot of great things. Um, all in all, I'm going to give this episode a nine. That's right. Nine out of 10 body and soul shops. And I'm going nine and a half Ooh. out of 10. Just a little bit higher kisses with, with a purpose. Kisses with purpose. With purpose. That's something different on this on the show. Yeah. Barbie and Maxine's kiss, way more powerful, way more effective than Barbie and Julia any day of the week. Well then, nine and a half. That is that your highest, or have you thrown out a ten yet? I, I can't remember if I threw out a ten for blue on blue or if I threw a ten out for um imperfect circles. I can't remember. But I did throw a ten out once this season. Oh, okay. We will keep our eyes peeled. I might you know, a really good no, no, episode. It was, I think it was blue on blue because the imperfect circles, I remember I notched it down two to an eight because of the two Barbie and Julia scenes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, can you believe if there's only 13 episodes, 10, 11, 12, 13, I'm doing math on the podcast. I know. Uh, four, we, are, we, we are officially at the start of act three. There's only four episodes of under the dome left this yeah. season. It's going to be great. Yeah, so obviously they picked the right time to really pick up steam here on the episodes. I, I'm really looking forward to these next four episodes and the uh, teased wild cliffhanger, uh, which, you you know, you know there's going to be a cliffhanger now that we know there's a season two. So. so do we want to share our predictions of the fourth hand now or hold them till later? Fling it on us. Why, why not? Uh, let's uh, I've had, go. Okay. <laughs> I teased on Facebook and on Twitter that I've, I have not seen anybody that I've looked at, read out there. Nobody has brought this one up as far as I can tell. But everybody seems to be a teenager. Everybody seems to be, you know, two girls, one boy. So my guess is it has to be male. It has to be under 25. Junior is getting one to two odds in Vegas. So that's too easy <laughs> of an answer. Um, and we don't condone gambling either on the Under nope, the Dome Radio nope, podcast. Nope, 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 nope. It goes hand just, in hand with illegal drugs. Just using it as a point of reference. So I'm calling for Benjamin. Mr. Skateboarder himself is the fourth hand because we have really? not seen him in a few episodes. So I think he makes a mysterious comeback. And I think Ben is the fourth hand. Interesting because I also have a thought on the fourth hand and I we didn't even talk about it amongst ourselves. I thought we were going to be on the same page. 
I think the fourth hand is going to turn out to be Barbie. And going, calling back to the pilot episode right near the beginning when he leaves that bloody handprint on the dome, I think that bloody handprint is a foreshadowing to this handprint. I think it's going to be Barbie and it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody under 25. But I do like your idea too. And listeners, by the time you hear this episode, we're going to be very close. So you could call us with your predictions right away, but uh, we'll have the next episode will be out by then. And then maybe we'll know, or are they going to tease us and not let us know who the fourth hand actually is till the finale of this season? If it was me and this is the start of Act 3, I would not have that reveal until the final episode. So you do have time to call 904-469-7469 or go to underthedomeradio.com. Leave your thoughts and your predictions. Could be Andrea Gunnell. It could be Dodie. It could be be most anybody. Could be somebody we haven't seen yet. Could be Linda. She had a pretty rough week. She needs some fun in her life. I mean, her mentor is like behind this drug ring thing i mean she just looked like she was gonna fall apart watching that videotape yeah that's gotta hurt so let's go ahead and traipse on over and appear at the tower that's the section of the show where we play your thoughts and theories because you know we do like to share they taught me that in kindergarten and finger painting and nap time but we'll carry on with your thoughts and theories take it away troy so on facebook this week we had chris he said that he rewatched some of the early episodes and noticed that immediately after a Joe and Nori seizure, the next scene started with Angie's, of course, butterfly tattoo. She has a tattoo? <laughs> Coincidence or not? I don't know. But it is interesting to know that that kind of foreshadowed into Angie being the third of the fourth hand. Oh, okay. And then John on Facebook said that he noticed that none of the cars in the show have their manufacturer badges on the front, like the Chevy bow tie on Big, Chim- Big Jim's truck grill or a Ford Oval on, say, the front of the police squad cars. I guess the car companies didn't want to pay the product placement bill for the Under the Dome TV show. And now I'm going to notice that on every single episode, John. <laughs> um that's probably what's behind it, but I think that's kind of a lame thing to take away all the logos. It's like, blame it on the dome, you know, not liking logos, unless it's a Microsoft Surface. Yeah. But uh, that was a good catch, John, and now I'm going to see it loud and clear. It's going to be screaming at me on every single episode. I may not notice the butterfly tattoo, but I'm going to notice the Ford logo is missing. Hi, my name is Peggy. I just got done watching the show. I'll be watching again tomorrow and all week long until the next one comes on next week. But this show is so great. Thank you. Um, you all great actors, so keep up the great work. And hopefully it gets better and better. And I see you got a second season. That is great. So have a good night. Good night. Hello, Wayne and Troy. RJ here. Just a couple observations regarding the show. First off, the uh, just the, the characters on the show, all of them are you know multi-layered, have a lot of different texture to them. They're they're really unpredictable. Um, you know, even Big Jim and Crazy Junior, you know, have their redeeming values from time to time. We know, of course, that uh, Barbie's quite complex as well. Which leads me to the next point and final point that really relates to. Uh, Barbie uh, and his uh, and uh, and Julia, the love interest there. I mean, 
there's an article in Psychology Today, actually from January this year. I'll put the link on uh, on the Facebook page, but it talks about uh, sexual attraction and survival mode, and that uh, survival mode emotional states can act as unconscious sexual lures. So I kind of am thinking or hoping maybe that's that that's kind of where they're going uh, with this this path between uh, Barbie and uh, and his love interest that uh, seemed to have fired up so quickly even when she was married. So anyway, that's uh, that's a thought and perhaps an explanation for that. I love the podcast, guys. Keep up the great work. Thanks, RJ. And I read that article. Thanks for putting that on the Facebook wall. We'll include it in the show notes at underthedomeradio.com slash 16. And reading some of the article, I can totally buy into why Julie and Barbie's relationship exists. It was very informative, very interesting. And that's what podcasting is all about, I guess. We get to have entertainment and education all in the same show. That's called multitasking. But definitely a great article. I highly suggest all you dome heads definitely check it out. And uh, it's from Psychology Today back in January of this year. Sexual Attraction and Survival Mode. Also want to thank Peggy for calling in as well. Uh, we heard from Jason Taylor, didn't we? But not his voice. Yeah, he decided to write in and give a solid eight failed attempts to catch his chicken dinner. <laughs> yeah. His favorite scene was the fourth handprint appearing on the mini dome. And his favorite line, I think, was most people's when Max was talking to Big Jim and Barbie. Girls, girls, you're both pretty. <laughs> yes. Loved it. That's that. why I love to hate Maxine. I think she was very witty and very great on her line delivery. Um, but uh, Jason says, maybe we should start comparing Under the Dome to Breaking Bad and not to Lost. Last week, Big Jim had the two sides to that coin conversation with Barbie versus Hank's tread lightly conversation with Walt. Whoa! I guess it's still tied to Lost either way. <laughs> <laughs> and this week, both Big Jim and Hank on Breaking Bad are having issues with the women in their lives. Hank couldn't get Skyler to cooperate, and Big Jim has to deal with Angie and the emergence of Maxine. It's awfully convenient for Max to come out of the woodwork now. She's been lurking around town for more than a week, now keeping tabs on both Big Jim, Barbie, and all of the town gossip. I'm not sure how she plans on profiting from this crisis. Money has no real value while the Mm -hmm. dome surrounds Chester's Mill, so she can't sell or transport the rapture. Her presence in town is sure to add to the suspense and will have both Big Jim and Barbie on edge. Angie might not be the monarch to be crowned, but she is starting to push her weight around with wanting to manage and own the Sweet Briar Rose. She is the latest invitee to the mini dome party with her seizure. I so badly want the fourth hand to belong to Benny because it doesn't look like it's going to be Dodie. I really hope it isn't Junior. I don't care what his mom painted nine years ago. Because it looks like the direction they're headed in is the search for the fourth is on with a hashtag. Stay trapped, Jason. Excellent. Thanks, Jason. And I just want to clarify that Jason did not read Jason's email ahead of time. So I'm glad that Jason and I are on the same team. Go Team Troy. Hey, guys. This is Bryant calling from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I just wanted to share a couple of thoughts with you on the fourth hand. One thing I wanted to point out is the director of the episode tonight. Uh, That was Roxanne Dawson, who some of you might know as, um, her name was, uh, oh, I'm blanking. She was the Klingon lady on Star Trek Voyager. Uh, Balana. There you go. 
anyway, that was cool because I was always a big fan of that show and of that character. Um, but there's something else cool about it, which I know you guys will appreciate. I was looking uh, looking her up on IMDb to see what else she had directed because uh, I knew she had directed a lot of other things. And uh, one of the things that jumped out at me is that she directed an episode from season two of Lost. Uh, she directed the episode The Long Con, which is one of the very best Sawyer episodes. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, anyways, unfortunately, I didn't really think this was a particularly good episode of Under the Dome. Uh, there were things about it that I liked. I thought the uh, all the stuff with the mini-dome and the egg, all that was cool. And I really liked all of the Junior and Angie stuff as well, but boy, I don't like Maxine. Just the second she walked on screen, I was like, oh, no, I don't like Maxine at all. Uh, which is kind of a shame. But who knows, maybe I'll like her more next week. Um, anyways, that's my thoughts. Not a particularly great episode, but still basically pretty good. Anyways, looking forward to see what you guys have to say about it. I guess everyone's entitled to their opinion, Brian, but, you know... it. The episode was great. Maxine or not, you know, there was still enough shock value that it was definitely cool. And I'm so glad that you caught that Roxanne Dawson did direct this, as I did as well. I did not know she had directed that lost episode, so I had to go look it up. But what I did know she directed, if you are a Battlestar Galactica fan, especially of the reboot here just as of lately, she directed the season one mid-season finale of Caprica. Now, I know it wasn't a great show, but if you wanted to kind of see the origin story of where the Cylons came from and why the one true God was so important for the Cylons, definitely Caprica is worth checking out if you're a fan of the BSG reboot. But uh, yeah, so when she's not being an angry Klingon yelling at Tom Paris on Star Trek Voyager, Roxanne is definitely keeping her directing chops alive. And so great to see her direct this episode because I think it was timely, fast-paced, delivered very well. I think it's probably one of the best episodes of the season so far. And I'm going to agree with you, Troy, and to Bryant. I mean, it all comes back to Lost, and the reboot of Battlestar Galactica was fantastic, even if Caprica wasn't. But, uh, Bryant, we appreciate that voicemail and all the great stuff you've been posting on the Facebook thing and the Facebook page. You know, the Facebook thingy. I'm starting yeah, to sound. It's, it's like those podcast thingies <laughs> and those voicemail thingies. I've been listening to a lot of Voice of Steve podcasts lately. <laughs> Good stuff. Thanks, Bryant. This is Neil from Bowie calling in for Under the Dome, the episode The Fourth Hand. I don't think that's the best title for this particular episode. I think it'd be better uh, for a future episode when they actually find The Fourth Hand. Uh, what did we learn this episode? I learned that Joe sleepwalks at 3 a.m. and uh, does strange things when doing so. Uh, the mini dome can't be too heavy since Joe was able to bring it into the barn. Truman the dog does uh, eventually have the power to find the mini-dome. Angie's butterfly is blue and yellow and not a monarch butterfly. I still think uh, there are signs pointing to her as being the monarch. Uh, Big Jim still tells a story. We'll all get through this uh, just as long as we all pull together. The reason Barbie didn't tell Julia about her husband is so he could be blackmailed. That's almost the definition of a stupid plot. If they weren't so stupid, there wouldn't be a plot. Max definitely was in town at an earlier time as we saw a video of her and Duke. Uh, there's still some more questions here. It's hard to tell whether the mini-dome is an egg or a sphere. When they're putting their hands on it, it looks like it goes higher than it would if it was actually a sphere. I need to look at the footage more. Still, of course, that does lead 
the question to whatever the shape of it is, is the actual dome the same shape? Who is the fourth hand? Could it be Junior since his mother painted him in a painting with pink stars? And of course, you know, is it really him in that painting? Uh, what will happen if they do have the right four people touching the mini dome? Will it shut down the main dome? Or will something nasty happen? Or will the four of them get new powers? Who knows? Uh, did Max actually want Big Jim to store the guns in his shelter? Or is he double-crossing her here? And how does Max's blackmail safeguard work? You know, inside the dome, how will her news be revealed? You know, does she have somebody else in the dome holding on to her secret? It'd uh, be a lot easier if there wasn't a dome here, I'd think. Anyway, that's uh, my comments for this episode. Looking forward to the next. Neil, thank you so very much yet again using the SpeakPipe widget at underthedomeradio.com to send in your voicemail. Great point. Why is this episode called The Fourth Hand when we don't actually get the hand yet? They could have saved this episode title a while. Maybe this one could have been called The Fourth Hand Print. Maybe they have to travel to the future to find William Bell to cut his hand out of the ant- oh, wait, wrong show. It all <laughs> so, goes back to Fringe now. Now it all goes back to Fringe. <laughs> But, and a good reminder, Neil, that the other phrase was, we all pull together. And I thought that mini dome was cool. And the way it was sitting on that thing, I would love to add something like that to my Christmas wish list and get a mini dome display just like that with the black egg inside and put that on top of my coffee table. I think that'd be great when guests come over. They'll go, wow, that's interesting. Well, November should be about the time that the Blu-ray edition of Under the Dome Season 1 should be hitting the stores, so you could definitely pre-order your Under the Dome, kind of mini-dome, if you will, uh, Blu-ray collector's edition from our Amazon affiliate store right there on the right-hand sidebar at underthedomeradio.com. Just find the snow globe-looking mini-dome Blu-ray edition, and you can click on that. Pre-order your copy for a mere 80 bucks. And you will have one just in time for Christmas, just like Wayne wanted it. That thing's going to be really cool with all the bonus features and things and the little mini dome with the big bloody, not to scale, bloody handprint. But uh, that'd be cool if they did also make it a snow globe in honor of last week's episode. We could shake it up, watch the snow in Chester. Anyway, I wanted to take this time. We still have a lot more great stuff coming up on this episode of Under the Dome Radio. But I wanted to make sure that you had super advanced notice We've got a very special episode of Under the Dome Radio coming out early this coming Monday morning. You'll want to be ready to listen to this one before you watch Monday night's episode of Under the Dome because we're honored to have an interview with the wonderful John Elvis, the actor who plays skateboarder Benny. And that's going to be Monday. It's going to be in our feed. So if you're a subscriber to Under the Dome Radio, you'll get this episode automatically when you uh, log in or check in or open up your app or whatever. But if you listen on the website, just go to underthedomeradio.com slash John Elvis. We'll have it there. We are so stoked. We had so much fun recording this interview and cannot wait to share it with you early Monday, a.k.a. Dome Day morning. Be ready. It is going to be a fun one. Yeah, and just because we recorded the interview has nothing to do with me picking Benny as the fourth hand. We know no prior knowledge whatsoever of who the fourth hand is. Just throwing that out there. That's true, because as you'll hear in the uh, interview, we ask for a few things. He's like, nope, sorry, dudes. Can't, can't <laughs> tell you. Hey, you can't hurt, blame us for asking, right? Right, exactly. And again, you can get that in your feeds if you're a subscriber or at underthedomeradio.com slash John Elvis. That's J-O-H-N. No space, John Elvis, J-O-H-N 
E-L-V-I-S, all one word. And of course, that link won't work until early Monday morning when the show's actually there, but have it ready, okay? So let's go in the dome, the AKA in the no spoilery section where we're going to talk maybe some things that may or may not be in the Stephen King book, how it may or may not tie into the TV show, and anything that may or may not be spoilery based on the manipulative uh, little teaser at the end of the episode. What say you, Troy? Well, we had Mike on Facebook was asking some questions about the days of the week, days of the weeks, days of the dome, depending (laughs) on how you want to put it. How many days have we been under this bubble already? All right. So uh, Mike was confused, as, as, as was I, um, in the episode immediately following Blue on Blue, which would have been Endless Thirst. Right. It, it didn't appear that there was a nighttime transition between those two episodes. So we were confused if it was really the continuation of day five or if it was really day six. So in the trailer for next week's episode, Maxine is walking next to Barbie, and Maxine said out loud, you know, we've been trapped in here for 10 days, and next week is episode 10. So I think we are safe to say that we are still on our one calendar day per episode schedule that we originally had predicted back before the show started. So that clears that up for Mike, thanks to Maxine. Um, and of course, all bets can be off once we get to season two. But for, in, until then, for this season, 13 episodes, I assume 13 days under the dome. Two solid weeks. Um, and then as far as book tie-ins, I think we're probably going to be ending that unless we see something that really stands out to us. But the one kind of cool book tie-in is when they did put their hands on the mini dome and it kind of started glowing blue and started kind of quote unquote activating, if you will. Um, they do fight. Exactly. There was like a hum that just kind of kept growing and swelling. But when they find the actual transmitter box, up in the orchard in the book, mm-hmm. um, they do put their hands on the Apple TV-like square device and kind of has the same kind of glowing, radiating effect. So they're still, again, borrowing stuff from the book and oh, just absolutely. telling it a different way. But there was definitely some laying of hands, if you will, for another Bible Christian reference. <laughs> um, laying of hands on the device with a glowing orbish um, factor, if you will. So that is definitely a tie into the book there. And um, basically, you know, the biggest thing that we saw in next week's episode is Dodie kind of finds the mini dome, puts her hand on it. And I think it's more of a dome rejection than a dome exception. That's just not right. So she got pretty well blasted in that thing. So I'm I immediately voted Junior off. I immediately voted Dodie off. So my vote is still Benny for the fourth hand. Mm. But no inside information. No inside information. That's why I'm thinking it's going to turn out to be Bobby. What say you, Team Wayne, Team Troy? Let's fire it up. (laughs) That's the hashtag thing. But on that one, it's going to be hard to be Team Train. But uh, on that, just that particular subject. In the book, when they were hovering around the Apple TV-style device transmitter, I thought they were putting their hands on it, trying to find out when are we going to get the NFL season ticket available on Apple TV. They didn't know it had anything to do with the Dome. 2014, when the contract runs out. It's next year. Coming feel it boy it's tough to be patient that, maxine, and Mac, maxine will make it happen big jim will get some guns they'll muscle the direct tv people and <laughs> well i can say that even though you know they're diverging from the book a lot and it's just the bones for the show and the timeline is already passed 
I still think there's a few pivotal scenes in the book that I think that they're going to revamp to find a way to fit them into the television show. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see the town hall meeting still happen. Maybe we're getting a, a pieces of the town hall meeting with this kind of PSA, turn in your guns, you know, kumbaya kind of event that Big Jim kind of throws out there. <laughs> so I mean, it's kind of like a town hall speech just used via the radio station versus gathering everybody at the town hall. Everybody's got an air shift now. Everybody does. But that's because Phil is in the hospital. You know, he's got a gunshot wound. So See, someone's got to take over. Well, I think Andrea Grinnell would make a great overnight DJ. Oh, yeah, totally. She can do hoarders, but do it in a dramatic 1940s radio style. And then, of course, uh, Benny and Joe, the morning zoo uh, show on weekdays. That would Could be. That'd work out pretty good. You know, there's lots of spare time, you know, during the day when you're trapped under a dome and you're not able to do much else. But it's going to be interesting to see. I can't. I. It just struck me. Four more episodes. <laughs> And, and no clue on where it's going because now we're past book time because the book only went seven and a half, eight days. So at this point, Dome's restored. So we're going to have to see where this goes for the rest of Act 3 and Season 2. One thing that I wish that they would have done, but, you know, the directors have their own uh, place that they're going, the writers, producers, directors, everybody involved, is I like how in the book – and we kind of talked about this back in our uh, Stephen King episode where we talked about the novel early, under, early on. Underthedomeradio.com slash three. Ooh, that is going way back. Way, way back. back when we were a month younger. Um, how in the dome, in the book, really air and water aren't coming and going at all, really. And so the air just keeps getting poorer and poorer and denser and cloudier and just muggy and stinky and... And pretty soon you can hardly see. And that's what I was, was hoping for. And I, I wonder if there's a way that they may still play that in because it's not like clouds go fully in and out of the dome. Something no, like that. but I think with the rain episode, I think they've solved for that problem because if they're assuming that the sun is acting like the dome's acting like a giant magnifying glass and it is heating up the air, then the air is warm enough to then cause condensation at the lake, which then it causes turn causes this micro weather system so maybe the purification of water in the air is kind of cleansing the air as well as well as it cleansing the water itself well if it's still getting so warm under the dome why is uh, sheriff Esquivel still wearing long sleeves she's she's true to the force she's, she's a cop through and through and she's got to wear the uniform we're under the dome and we're in a crisis you know i don't know i just thought it was kind of interesting you got anything else this evening, uh, Mr. Heinrichs? I don't, other than I am just super excited to see what's going to happen next because I was jaw on the floor for most of this episode this week. Yes, visually, another excellent episode. Great moments that just really stood out for us. So that was good stuff. So we're going to wrap it up for now because uh, we're going to be back early Monday morning with that special John Elvis, a.k.a. Ben interview episode and we're stoked about that but this was a chock full episode we appreciate everybody calling in with their thoughts and theories we shared the voicemails and other facebook messages and emails lots of good stuff and i just want to thank you for taking the time to share with us listening to the under the dome radio podcast we've got that new episode coming out early monday morning but in the meantime you can always find out the latest and greatest, and you all have been great on the Facebook community. Visit us at facebook.com slash under the dome radio. 
Follow us on Twitter at UTD Radio Podcast and use the hashtag pound or hash UTDR so we can find your tweets faster. Mm-hmm. Definitely be sure to subscribe in iTunes. Oh, and if yeah. not, at least leave a review. Mark a review is helpful even or give us a rating. It really helps out the show. And of course, while you're at your computer, please take a few minutes, find out ways you can share your love of Under the Dome Radio by visiting our website, underthedomeradio.com slash love. Click our affiliate links, sponsor a propane tank donation over there on the right-hand sidebar, and definitely be involved because, as Big Jim says, we're all in this together. And just like Big Jim let his voice be heard, let your voice be heard. Send in your thoughts and theories. Call us at 904-469-7469 or simply visit underthedomeradio.com and use that widget on the right-hand sidebar. We would love to hear from you and play it on the next episode of the show, the one following the big John Elvis interview that comes out early Dome Day morning. But until that episode comes out, you can always find us. Lost. Out on the fringe, trapped under the dome. The Under the Dome Radio podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Get more of our podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. You can theorize over once upon a time, learn how to podcast, build personal productivity, laugh at our clean comedy, and more at noodle.mx.